Hello, welcome to Outdoors in Scotland. I'm John Burns, and this is my wee podcast for folk who like the outdoors. Um, we've had a <laughs> in Scotland, we've had a very mixed summer, I have to say. It's uh, been wetter and colder than it normally is, but, but personally, personally, I'm very glad we didn't have the massive heat wave that Europe and indeed America's had. So, so far, it, it, it's been interesting, and uh, we're looking forward to the autumn now. I think one of my favorite times of year. And I'm sure all of you like to be getting out into the the hills, and uh, as in fairly soon, the, the the trees will start start to start to turn. In fact, in some places you can see it beginning already. Hey, my guest today, I suppose you'd have to call my, my guest today. I, I I would describe him as the king of mountaineering in Scotland. He's uh, <laughs> a very influential person, and he is the CEO of uh, Mountaineering Scotland, and his name is Stuart Uni. Hello, Stuart. How are you? Hi, John. I'm good, thanks. So after that introduction, I don't know what to say. The king of mountaineering? De- definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> well, somebody has to be. <laughs> well, the sun, the sun's shining here in Kinross today. So, and and I would agree. We're looking forward to the autumn. It's always a. You're sad to see the summer come to an end, but always a great time to be getting out in the Scottish hills in the autumn. The, yeah, slightly cooler temperature and the, the leaves all changing and the light changing. So that's right. Looking that's forward right. to that. But right now it's a, it's a lovely sunny day here in Kinross. So a day to well, I'm, sure I'm sure it's always sunny in Kinross. Yeah. Sure oh, of, of course, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we're also looking forward to the departure of the Scottish midge imminently. <laughs> but for those of folk who don't know about uh, mountaineering in Scotland, can you, can you tell a little, tell us a little bit about what you do or what the organisation's about? Yeah, sure. Um, so, um, yeah, just I am very far from the king of, of mountaineering. I, 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 I'm fortunate enough to be the CEO um, and work on behalf of all of our members. We've got it's sixteen thousand members all across Scotland and uh, the UK and and also further afield. Um, about one hundred and fifty odd clubs that we represent. And, and we work really to represent the interests of the mountaineering community. And uh, when we say the word mountaineering, our, our strap line is, is walk, climb and ski. And those are the this kind of main activities that we focus right. on. So people who are into hill walking, which are obviously in Scotland, super popular activity. Um, our climbers, so whether that's indoors, outdoors, uh, winter or summer. And also ski touring, uh, which is obviously another kind of offshoot of the more more general mountaineering activity. Um, the main areas of work, as well as representing your interests, um, and we do a lot of work around um, advocating for for conservation, access, and environment issues. Uh, Davy Black is our access and environment officer. Oh yeah, a- uh, Davy Black's been on the show in the previously. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He does a fantastic job for us uh, dealing with all of this day to day access issues. Uh, some of the big ticket kind of um, planning applications that we see, lot big issues at the moment for us around wind farms, mm-hmm, changes to the mm-hmm. Scottish government planning policy, um, mean that there's more wind farms coming back online and going through planning yeah. permission. Also things like the shared rural network, which is a government scheme to put in lots of new mobile sites, all uh, sorry, mobile masts all over Scotland and some in right. pretty remote and rural areas. And we've got some real concerns about about them. And uh, yeah, anything else that to do with your planning and development in the hills, because we, we, we really want to try and 
obviously safeguard our, our magnificent landscape. But, you know, sometimes we have to accept the de development as needed and it's all about striking that balance. Um, we also do a lot around promoting mountain safety, run lots of courses right through the year, winter and summer, to tr try and provide people the basic skills to um, help keep themselves safe and self-reliant in the mountains. Uh, and we also do a lot around engaging with children and young people with support from Sport Scotland who invest in our Climb Scotland initiative. And obviously a big change for us has been uh, climbing, um, becoming an Olympic sport. So we're in the process of, of responding to that. And what, what does that mean for our sport or the sport of competition climbing and what that's going to look like in a few years' time? So that's a very quick uh, summary of, of who we are and what we're about. Yeah, yeah, it, it's amazing. I mean, I, I was really, I think during the pandemic, uh, I was very much aware of the work that you were doing to to uh, you know, represent the views of the uh, outdoor community. And what, and what was a very difficult time for all of us, but I, I think perhaps, well, I wouldn't say it was more difficult for the outdoor community, but that wouldn't be true. But certainly I feel that um, because we were cut off from the, the outdoors, that by definition were, 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 we all are here to enjoy, it was a very difficult time. And I think, Mountaineering Scotland did a really effective job of uh, of talking about you know what what our needs were and and, and sort of sensitively negotiating for for greater access, which which, which was really helpful, you know. I'm um, I'm really pleased to hear that, John, because I think I think you're right. It was a, a different. I don't want to go back there. No, uh, no, none of us want to go back there. I think we all we all had our own experiences of yes. of that and faced those challenges in different ways. But it, it was a tough game, tough. Tough for people that like the um really enjoy yeah. being in the hills and getting out, and particularly the, the travel restrictions and the lockdown was a tough yes. thing for for us all. But you know, I think we're through the other other side of that. And what's great yep. is we're seeing lots of new people in the hills. Um well, I that's think... actually what I wanted to ask you about as well, because yeah. um, you know, about 10 years ago I wrote the book The Last Hillwalker, um, probably more than 10 years ago now, but it was that was because I came back to the hills after a bit of an absence, you know. And, and what I really noticed was that was it seemed to me that actually hill walk the, the numbers of people walking in the hills, particularly younger folk, was actually declining. Uh, and I felt it seemed to me that at that time that maybe you know the, the last hill book was a bit of a tongue-in-cheek title, really, but it seemed possible to me that actually paths seemed to be getting no more overgrown, and that they seemed to be numbers seemed to be declining. But it seems to me now things have changed a, a lot. What, what what's your perspective on that? Yeah, I, I would definitely say, you know, I mean, we've seen various booms, you know, going right back to the 70s of hill walking and mm -hmm. things like Muriel Gray's Monroe Show and, um, you know, other other writers like Cameron Manish and you know, talking about yeah. Monroe bagging. And, you know, I think definitely since um, since we came out of lockdown and particularly those summers of 2020 and 2021, where it was yeah. just yeah, I mean, it wasn't great. It was a bit like the Wild West in, in some areas <laughs> with some of the stuff that was going on. Yeah. But I think if, if we look at the positive, I think a lot of people, as a result of lockdown and as a result of what happened, really found a new appreciation for the outdoors or they, they suddenly realised that that, that um, the outdoors was a place that they really needed in their lives. Yes. Um, whether that was your local park or whether it was climbing a Monroe, it doesn't really matter. But I think we all realised how much we value being outside yeah. and, and exercising and, and, and the outdoors. And it was great that the, gov the government at least realised that we needed to do that. Yeah. Um, and then when freedom started to come back a little bit more, you know, and people were able to venture a little bit further afield, 
we certainly saw lots of new people. And I think we're seeing that continue. And I think particularly lots more younger people uh, out in the hills. And Instagram's a wonderful thing, but you know, that's the thing. You want to get a, a selfie on top of a Monroe somewhere. That's um, uh, a lot of people are in, enjoying doing that. Um, a lot more sort of uh, younger women, I think, out yeah. in boots on the hills, which I think is really encouraging. Yeah. Uh, and lots of people from different backgrounds as well, and particularly on the busier hills. I think when you get a little bit further afield and to the more remote Monroe's, still continues to be the kind of tra traditional sort of um, um, mountaineering sort of community. But certainly those more popular hills around Glasgow, around the Central Belt, yeah. Dundee, um, lots more people out. And, and that's great to see. And not not, not just in the Monroe's, but on, on all, a lot of the lesser tops. I've been taking the kids and I up some of the more popular um, hills would have been on uh, at the start of this year and um, Ben Vraki and just, just to kind of see who's about really and, and get the kids out as well. And it's I've been fascinated to see the diversity of yeah. the people that are out and about getting up in the hills. Yes, yes. No, that, that's certainly what I think I've seen. Uh, it, it's been very striking since the pandemic. In fact, that really is a good thing, you know, but it, obviously it, it, it also brings challenges with it as well. And I think you said something about the er erosion of paths and i know you're you're working on the new project it's uh, it's called it's up to us i mean you know, what what inspired that what brought what brought this project about what's it for yeah it's um you're right it's the kind of the it's a great thing that we're seeing more people out benefiting from being outside but that that does come at, at a cost and puts additional pressure on our our access infrastructure not just the paths but on our toilets and bins and mm -hmm. parking mm -hmm. car parks and everything but th this project, it's up to us, really came about actually pre-pandemic. Um, Doogie Baird, who's um, CEO of the Outdoor Access Trust for Scotland, and I sat down and, and he, he kind of approached us and thought that it would be a good idea mm -hmm. for the two organisations to come together. Basically, we've got um, ourselves representing the interests of a lot of people that use the pass. Mm -hmm. And the Outdoor Access Trust, obviously, who are a charity that helped to repair the paths. So it kind of made obvious sense for yeah. us to kind of team up and think about doing something together. And Doogie's had his eye on Anchelach, um for quite a number of years as a, a mountain that was in need of some TLC mm -hmm. um, that had missed out on, on funding um, for uh, path restoration in the past. And we thought, well, it would be a great idea to use that to highlight the the issue, which is that there's, if you're uh, in land out with a national park, you're not owned by the John Muir Trust or National Trust for Scotland, there's really no money available to help restore paths. Right. And as we know, the vast majority of Scotland's paths, rightly or wrongly, are under private ownership. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they don't, uh, uh, they are unable to access the funding that some of the other non-government organizations and charitable organizations would be able to access so that's really what we're trying to highlight uh and there's a few different parts to it um but yeah that, that's a, a kind of quick insight into what we're trying to do uh, and we're basically trying to raise awareness about the cap the need to invest in these paths because i think it doesn't matter what we do in the outdoors whether you're a walker a climber a skier mm -hmm. a mountain biker a hill runner you're walking up a hill to uh, you know come down by Parasender, you know, we all use paths that they're fundamental to the way that yeah. we access the outdoors are fundamental to the way that we engage with the environment because we all have a good path, don't we? You know, it's 
there's something yeah. nice about being on a path that's reassuring. It kind of makes it makes your day out a bit easier. Um, nothing worse than kind of um, wading through knee-high heather. Um, oh, wow. Also gives us a bit of sense of security, doesn't it? It kind of helps us that we're on the right path. We must be going in the right direction. Hopefully we are going in the right direction if we know how to use a map and compass. Um, so, but paths are a little bit forgotten about, I think. We don't tend to focus on them enough. And uh, I think they're so integral to, to our experience when we're out in the hills. But we need to shine a spotlight on that and, and really give them their place. Yeah, you, you mentioned Ancharak there uh, as a, a matter that you, you'd focused on. But, uh, what what particular problems were were beginning to occur there? What, what, what's the real issues with the paths on Ancharak? Yeah, so the, the path that we're focused on is the one that comes up um, onto the first Monroe uh, top from uh, the Dundonald Hotel side. So you All can right. wander, through the, wander through the bushes there. And it's the kind of easy way up onto the tops rather than, you know, obviously avoiding coming the other way um, yeah. onto the pinnacles and the, the serious scrambling. So that's the path that, that we're focused on. And really... It's a good example of what's happening in a lot of places in Scotland. So one, we've got, you know, wear and tear over various, um, many, many years of use by various yeah. people. So we've got the kind of impact of that. But then what we're seeing also is the impact of climate change. We're seeing a lot right. more rainfall, yeah. warmer, wetter winters. What yeah. happens is, you know, you take the top layer off the vegetation, uh -huh. expose the fragile soil underneath. You get runoff, you know, heavy storms, heavy rain, and then it just washes the way away the path. Um, can shift big boulders, and then it really. I mean, I walked the path up Chelich with um, Dan Bailey from UK Hill Walking a couple oh, of yeah, weeks ago. Down, yeah. Neither of us had been up there for quite some time, and it was really shocking to see really? the state in some places. Really, really bad. Yeah. So I've not been there for quite some time. I must admit really deep um you know so there's a lot of work needed so that that's that's really why we focused on Anchel because it is you know an often overused term isn't it this, this iconic but it's got to be yeah, yeah. Up, up there in people's top five in rows yeah. isn't it yeah. um, and we thought it's a really it, it's a mountain that people know people uh, will appreciate um and a great place for us to start and highlight this campaign about the need to invest in our mountain paths I've very much got the impression of what you're talking about. Now, am I right in thinking that you're trying to raise £300,000 in the outset? Is that your, your your target initially? Yeah, that's the initial goal. Um, we've got um, a couple of different aspects to the, the campaign, John. We're trying to do quite a lot with it. We Maybe too much, but we, we, we've got, we're ambitious about what we can do here. We, we, we believe really passionately this is an important project. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For but for mountains all across Scotland. So um, the initial target is £300,000. Um, we were really fortunate um, to receive uh, the Diamond Grant Award from the Scottish Mountaineering Trust right. um, last year, which was part of their Diamond um, Celebration. And they uh, very generously um, donated £100,000, which was the full um, Diamond Grant award right. to this, this project. So that's given us a real great shot in the arm. And actually, the process of going through the application really was a catalyst for Doogie and I to kind of take this idea and actually kind of form a plan. And, and part of the application process was really, what, what is this campaign going to look like? So it really helped us crystallise in our minds, right, what, what is it that we're trying to do here? 
-huh. and SMT were fantastic with the support. So that's a hundred thousand, but we've got another two hundred thousand that we need to raise, right, uh, to do the work. But um, with the money that we've got already, we're we're hoping that I think Doogie is planning to start on site with the first phase of restoration right. uh, very soon in the next few weeks, which will be great, and we can start to show people what we're trying to do, the difference we're trying to make, and then you know hopefully we can we can secure the rest of the. The money we've got, um, I think we've raised about roughly forty-five thousand pounds since we launched in May. So it's just right. now just right. keeping the so keeping the momentum. Halfway there now, really. Yeah, well, a little bit under halfway. We want to. We've got two hundred to get, so we're about um, a quarter of the way ah, there. That, that total, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, halfway in total, a quarter of the two hundred we need. I see, I see, and 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 really, what you're calling, I, I suppose, on the average Joe public mountaineers who who use these paths to make to make a contribution if they can. Yeah, yeah, and listen, I know that that's that's a difficult ask. We're in, we're ah. in a cost of living crisis. Yeah. You know, it's been a tough old few months and really tough old time since we came out of lockdown, isn't it? It's um. So we know it's a tough ask, but um, we believe that there's enough people out there that, you know, however much they can afford, they could maybe think about putting a few quid in to, to help yeah. repair the mountain. And, you know, if we can get lots of people contributing a relatively small amount, that's going to make a big, big difference to, to what we can do. Yes. You know, we've had some really generous big donations coming in from a couple of our clubs and a really generous donation, a £1,000 from Arnold Clark and company. Oh, right. Yeah, so um, been really pleased to see that, and as well as individuals making one-off don donations and setting up a direct debit kind of uh, through PayPal. Um, oh, that's really good. I mean, I so would hope certainly that some of the, uh, perhaps some of the big retailers, would, you know, mountaineering and walking equipment retailers could, could, could perhaps make a contribution because, I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, their sales depend on people having access to the hills, don't they? Absolutely, we all we all benefit in different ways from from mountain paths, you know. So, um, the, the we hope very much that the outdoor retail sector and also those companies that are organising events, big competitions, that's right, um, and yeah. that are maybe running wildlife tourism businesses, yeah. walking yeah. tourism businesses. They're all benefiting from this wonderful thing that we've got in Scotland, the the, the outdoor access code and our yeah. you know the, the freedoms that we have under the Land Reform Act. So, but as I say, that that freedom to roam, that that right to roam, comes at a cost. Um, yeah. So we really do hope we've got Cotswolds have come on board as our lead sponsor, which has been fantastic. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. we'd really welcome a conversation with anybody listening to this podcast that <laughs> you know is working for a big. Um, yeah outdoor retailer or company and as part of that kind of you know corporate social responsibility think about maybe uh making a donation to to the campaign and, and help us kind of fix the path in Anchelic and, and also support that wider agenda um about path restoration elsewhere in Scotland yeah yeah I mean you're right there I mean there's there's perhaps been an increase also in in what what you were talking about you alluded to really that that's I, I suppose you I suppose you could roughly describe it as the commercial use of our mountain in, in, in terms of, you know, the kind of races that are run over it, the kind of events and the sort of tours that are held. 
and certainly it, 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 I would hope that folk you know investing in those kind of events would would, would be sensitive to the to the the wear and tear in our hills really uh, and, and and help support the project and um, yeah I mean uh, the daft question in a way I mean three hundred thousand pounds sounds like a lot of money but uh, these days with I'm, I'm assuming I don't know much about math path restoration but sounds a fairly labor intensive job to me and obviously by definition you're going out into inaccessible places difficult places to reach so it must be a fairly expensive process yes yeah, it's, it's a it's a tough job and um, um, doogie bear did a, a really excellent i'm gonna do a plug for another podcast john and your podcast but you, <laughs> he, did a really, he, he did a fantastic interview um it's on the uh, see the ukc or uk hill walking interview where he talks about you know much more detail about you know what does a day look like for somebody that's involved in, in uh, building a path and that's a it's a tough old gig no yeah, question yeah, about be. it um yeah. and the cost at the moment um you know, I take my hat off to the people that do it. It's, um, you know, and they do a, f a fantastic job. Uh, but it can cost, you know, anywhere up to £90 a metre, depending on yeah. Um, yeah. the work that's required. I think the most um, labour and cost, um, uh, the most costly sort of part of it is the, the sort of detailed stone pitching where you're coming up relatively steep sections of and you're having to create stones out of yeah. And they try and do as much as they can with the natural material that's actually on site. That's the number one. They sort of yeah, they'll yeah. do a survey and, and look at what's there. And, you know, then they'll make a decision as to whether or not they need to bring in any additional materials. And they will try and source that from other places in the local area, not not taking it in from, you know, a quarry down south or somewhere there. It's very sensitive work. It's, it's all yes. by hand, very uh -huh. little done by machinery. So, yeah. It's a, it's a, a I mean, really skilled I, tool. Yeah, you know, the point you make is, is, is really important because um, I think it's important that any, I, I'm sure you would do any path restoration sensitively to the area. Uh, but, 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 I mean, you know, we can all think of, oh, oh, I, well, a lot of places that I've been where perhaps path restoration hasn't been that sensitive. And you think someone, someone's ploughed a motorway through what used to be a nice wee, <laughs> a nice wee path, you know? And, yeah. And you, and then you look with kind of horror at places like um, Snowden and Snowdonia, where, as far as I'm aware, some places are actually tarmacked. You know, I mean, it's and that that you know, obviously, you know, I suppose they've done that because because they've had to, which and the kind of pressure on some of those places. I, I sort of pray we never quite reach it in Scotland. You know, I, I I hope not. Yeah, I mean, aware of some of those projects, and really, they're pretty kind of. Not, not, not the kind of paths that we're talking about, no. really. And no. If, if, if you go onto our, our website, the campaign website, it's up to us at SaveMountainPath.Scot. We've got a little photo in there that it's like a before and after with a slider that you can see, you know, oh, what right. the path looked like before the work was done. It's in the Cairngorms. I can't remember exactly where. Right. But you can see what it looked like before and you slide the thing along and then you can see what it looks like now, you know, 10 years later and, the difference yeah. is quite stark because you've obviously just got this nice natural looking kind of footpath and then the sides that were all worn and uh, you know have started to regenerate and revegetate and yeah. um that yeah. that's that's kind of the, the type of approach that we we're promoting through yeah, the work that, that I mean, we're that, doing. obviously that sounds ideal i mean it, it, it's because as you say we're, we're looking at re regeneration of, of of vegetation trees coming back um, you know places like what's going on in, in Glen Glenfeshie and things like that, 
And I, I guess that's hand in hand with the kind of um, path reconstruction that you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. It's got to be done sensitively. Um, we're trying to do this to, to look after the mountain and to preserve it, um, allow it to heal, um, allow it to regenerate uh, and and hopefully have a have a path there that's going to last a good few years. But the the other you know side of the campaign is we've got those paths need to be uh, maintained, and yeah. um, sometimes it's little and often. So if we can get yeah. um, people involved in helping to to maintain the paths and importantly keep the the, the drainage runoffs and the the water bars clear, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, then you know even just um, you know, clearing that out. If you're wandering up a, up a path and you see uh, one of these water bars blocked with silt or gravel or some stone, just, just, just you know, two minutes just to clear it out, clear and that out, makes a yeah. big difference. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I've done a bit of that. So, <laughs> <laughs> As you say, but uh, that's an important point to make because I think the 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 it is up to all of us, and and yes, there's 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 a need for the bigger projects where where paths are reconstructed. But it's also, it, you know, as with all kind of maintenance of things, really, it's the little tiny things that sometimes make a big difference. So, you know, allowing the water to use the drainage channels and that sort of stuff it may, it may seem a, a, a tiny thing, but that over a period of time can make a huge difference. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, again, it's just about raising awareness um, amongst um, the whole community that, you know, these however you know the smallest little bit of action when you're out for the hill for the day and you notice something and just you know being aware that you know it's okay to do that you know you're not going to yeah. damage the path um in, a, in actual fact by by clearing out those channels you're going to help preserve the path yeah. um and it's okay to do that you know and then you know there's lots of opportunities to volunteer and get involved and and learn a little bit more about um, path upkeep maintenance um some fantastic opportunities in both the national parks and outdoor access trust for Scotland as well. If, if people are keen to learn a little bit and, you know, spend a half a day or a day out, then lots of opportunities to be able to do that. And then that maybe gives you the confidence and understanding mm -hmm. if you're out in the hills yourself, then you, can, you know what to look out for and you, you feel confident enough to kind of do what needs to be done. So that's, that's a really good thing to, I think we can all yeah. kind of take on board. So, so people can get involved themselves if they want to. Definitely, yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, that's the whole point of the campaign is to, you know, highlight the importance of paths and, you know, the fact that we all use them and uh, and, and benefit hugely from them. Um, yeah. But the, the other side, John, is though the, uh, because I've talked about the community, haven't we? We've talked quite a bit about the, the mm -hmm. community and the, the commercial side. Yeah. The, the other big part of the campaign is about making an approach to government. Um, right. And, right. You know, that's another tough ask at the moment with yes. the way that finances are but uh, just really important to stress that as the kind of other kind of key strands yeah. of the campaign because um we can do so much as a community i think yes. we can do our bit and that's what we're trying to demonstrate that we do care um but i think there's a huge amount of money i think the figure that we've quoted in, in some of the campaign literature is and i don't know how this, they come to this figure but it's, we've seen it quoted by scottish Na uh, nature scott rather and and other places is about 1.6 billion pounds a year coming wow. into the Scottish economy through uh, walking tourism or active tourism. Yeah. Um. So we know statistics; we can make things up to suit sort of certain things. But I think it's absolutely clear there's a huge amount of money coming into Scotland from walking tourism and active tourism. 
Um, yeah. We've got pe people coming from all over the world to, to come to Scotland to experience what we've got to offer people from all over the UK. And that's benefiting um, local economies across Scotland and also the government. Yeah. So, unfortunately, what we've seen um, to be a little bit political, regard regardless of your view, as a result of Brexit, all of the European funding that, that was there is now no longer there. Mm -hmm. So um, millions of pounds um, has been spent on supporting uh, path restoration work over the last 10 to 20 years. Um, and that's gone and it's not been replaced. So at the moment, we've got a situation where there is no money at all. There's no private money. There's no public money um, to do any of this work. So that's, you know, back to the title of the campaign. It's up to us. If we don't if we do not do something about this, then, then who is? Um, but whilst we can take some responsibility, I think we need to recognise there's an economic benefit um, for us as a country. Yeah. And there's also a health and well-being benefit because, you know, people yeah. going out and exercising, enjoying the outdoors, back to the, you know, COVID and, and how everybody sort of valued that, that there's a huge benefit to our, our mental health and also to our physical health and well-being about getting out and enjoying Scotland's hills. So um, that, I hope, will have a consequential benefit to the NHS and, and keep people out of hospital and, you know, keep people on the straight and narrow and good mental health. And that, that all benefits everyone. So I think there's a there's a case that we want to make that the Scottish government, I really hope, will consider. Um, and we're not asking for millions and millions of pounds, but we're, we are asking for recognition as a need to invest. And it is an investment because the return on the investment is huge, uh, yeah. as I've just explained. Yes, that's right. I mean... I suppose really what we're what, what you're asking for to do is 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 to put some investment back into sort of the infrastructure of our hills, really, and and, and that, that that has to be a, a really important thing for 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 everyone to keep enjoying the hills into the future, you know. And um, Stuart, it's been fascinating talking to you. Um, I really wish you all the best with your project, and certainly if I can help you in any way, I'd be more than happy to help. And it's a, it's, it's a really worthwhile thing, and it, it's something that has to be done. We all have to to we all enjoy the hills, and and maybe we all have to realise that that isn't free. We have to put something back into that, you know. Um, thanks very much for talking to me. I'll put a link to your website and to for a link for folk to donate on my on my little podcast site and it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you thanks very much brilliant thanks john thanks very much for for having me on it's been great to chat to you